This week's episode of the Nerdist Writers Panel is brought to you by T-Fury. T-Fury is the original pop culture t-shirt destination, selling unique designs every day since 2008. You can snag their shirts for only 24 hours, starting at midnight each day. Missing a shirt from the past and want to get it again? Head to the T-Fury Gallery, where you can buy some old designs still in print and vote on others to come back from the dead. Every two to four weeks, T-Fury adds more designs to their gallery, so be sure to keep an eye out for the return of your favorite shirts. But you should really just buy them the first time around. So visit T-Fury every day and then get a shirt because it's gone after 24 hours. T-Fury shirts cover all of your favorite topics and fandoms. They've got everything from gaming, sci-fi, anime, TV, movies, pop culture, and more. Their t-shirts change daily, so check back as often as you'd like. Daily. Also, don't forget about the T-Fury After Hours sale. If you miss the day's shirt by only a little, they keep the sale going into the wee hours of the morning just for you. Check out tfury.com slash nerdist and see what today's shirt is all about. Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Nerdist Writers Panel. This is Ben Blacker, the creator and moderator of the Nerdist Writers Panel. Thanks for listening. Follow me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, just like it sounds. Uh, I myself am a TV writer. I've written for the shows Supernatural, Super Ninjas, and I'm currently working on a DreamWorks animated program, which I will tell you more about when I'm allowed to, but it's a lot of fun. I'm also the co-creator of the Thrilling Adventure Hour, a stage program in the style of old-time radio, available as a podcast on the Nerdist Network, monthly at Largo, and touring all over the country uh, in 2014. Find out more at thrillingadventurehour.com. Before we get to this really awesome edition of the Nerdist Risers panel with Andy Daly and Andy Blitz and Jeffrey Blitz, uh, I want to tell you about some upcoming events. This Friday in Seattle at the Emerald City Comic Con, I'm doing a live Nerdist Writers panel comics edition with uh, an amazing lineup of Cullen Bunn, Matt Fraction, who's just been killing it everywhere lately, Kelly Sue DeConnick, likewise, Greg Rucka, who is always brilliant. I mean, these these four people are amazing. Um, so come check out. Uh, it's this Friday in Seattle at, I believe, 1230 um, but check your check your uh, stuff and follow me on Twitter, and I'll let you know when that is. Follow me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, and I'll, I'll tweet about the times for the Nerdist Writers panel at Emerald City Comic Con. If you are in Seattle this weekend or nearby and want to come to the Great Thrilling Adventure Hour, welcome to Night Vale crossover. Please do. It's on Saturday night, March 29th, at the Moore Theater in Seattle. Uh, tickets are still available. It's a bunch of the Work Juice players, uh, Mark Evan Jackson, Mark Agliardi, Craig Kukowski, and more. Cecil Baldwin from Welcome to Night Vale. Ben Acker and I wrote it with Joseph and Jeffrey, the creators of Night Vale. Um, and it is an actual crossover event. It's really fun. We're just kind of finishing up now, uh, and, and it's everybody has done an awesome job. We also have special guests. Uh, Molly Quinn will be there, our old pal Molly Quinn. John Roderick from The Long Winters. Uh, Alan Tudyk, whom you know from Firefly, Frozen, and uh, Jim Beaver from Supernatural and Deadwood and Breaking Bad and everything great. Uh, so that should be fun and, and some surprises as well. Uh, so please come and join us. Uh, go to thrillingadventurehour.com for a link to tickets to the great Thrilling Adventure Hour Welcome to Night Vale crossover, uh, which is this Saturday, March 29th in Seattle. Thanks for listening.
It's the Nerdist Writers Panel on the Nerdist Podcast Channel. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Yeah. All right. Well, let me check Twitter one last time. <laughs> <laughs> you pretty much have. <laughs> Someone may have mentioned you. I've been tweeting out our reviews, you know. Yeah. And they've been great. Yes. Have you gotten new followers? Oh, yes. You have? Really? Really? I have. Oh, my god. Like, discernibly? Oh, yes. Alan Seppenwall is following you now? I don't know if he is. He ought to be. <laughs> but I have. I've gotten one new follower, and daily it's you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I think I've gotten seven. I had 58,000. You need to make your 000. name bigger in the credits. I believe right. I had 58 and change <coughs> back when we had that meeting where they, they were like, Andy will tweet to his 58,000 followers. Right. <laughs> now it's 62.7. That's oh. a big bump. That's a big bump. For a couple of episodes. And, and a lot of podcast appearances. True. But all I've been doing is, with my Twitter account, is promoting myself. So, I, I mean, <laughs> what's it for to follow that? Yes, right. I don't know. Um, I think that'll all stay in. Thanks. Okay, good. <laughs> right. Whatever you like. Um, let's do it, you guys. Yeah! We're on. Um, thank you guys for being here. Um, I... I Immediately after watching the review pilot, got on my computer and emailed Andy to say, we need to talk about this. Because <laughs> it's so much fun. It's so funny. Uh, it's so smart. Uh, so we've got Andy Daly, Andy Blitz, and Jeffrey Blitz here. Say hello, guys. Well, hello. Hi. Hello, guys. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> you blew it already. <laughs> That's old school comedy. <laughs> Um, let's, let's jump in. Um, you know, I want to hear, I want to talk a little bit about the background, but, um, your individual backgrounds, but I really want to hear first about how review came together when everybody Mm -hmm. got on board and, uh, you know, who was there first? Me! Good job. I think, right? Well, it was, uh, you know, it was an Australian series for Mm -hmm. two seasons. They did it for two seasons down in Australia. And then my understanding is that they sold the Australian broadcasting company, sold the show to some international format company. Mm-hmm. These are these companies that find game shows in Israel and sell them to Turkey. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> all these forums seem to come from Israel, right? Have you um, noticed that? Recently, yeah. a yes. lot of them. Interesting. Yeah. I'm but not anyway. sure the direct um, path goes to Turkey. First to Turkey. Just to yeah, South America. But it I don't takes know. a while. It has to be filtered through another country. I did hear. Yeah, maybe you're right. You may be right about Lebanon. From Turkey, though. Yeah. They're all Turkish. You can only sell to the country next to you. And then everyone gets a markup. Yeah. Some sort of friendly. So it's very expensive for America. Because we're like the 25th. Ugly it takes years. It takes years. Ugly Betty was the only one that made any money. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, they sent it to Comedy Central. The Australians mm-hmm. did. And Comedy Central thought of me for it. And Were uh, you working with Comedy Central at the time looking for uh, an avenue? Not quite. I think I had taken a sort of a general meeting over there to talk about what I might do. But I had been over there many times doing uh, David Spade's show mm-hmm. and Crossballs and Reno 911. Yeah, the most recent thing I guess I did was David Spade's show, mm-hmm. and based on that, I think they were kind of interested to develop something, mm-hmm. so thought of me for this. All right, and what were those discussions like? Was it they sent you the material and you said, yes, this is something I, I think I can do, and then how did you start to you know put the team together? Uh, yeah, that's about right. I got some DVDs in the, in the on the doorstep one day and just said, <laughs> yeah, I can do that. <laughs> they were selling review door-to-door, the Australians were. <laughs> just got to your house first. Yeah, lucky, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was and, it in that, that series, though, that you responded to? You know something? Uh, 
it was I, I watched the first they sent me the first two episodes only and uh I liked the first one a lot but it was in the second one where he gets divorced and specifically it was the custody scene in the divorce piece where he's uh fighting for the custody of his children and he's and uh the opposing lawyer says well look what he's done in just the last 30 days he's trained with the Taliban he's become addicted to methamphetamine he's hunted whales and protected waters and it's all clearly Stuff that he's done for the show. Now, in their version, you know, we had not seen those things happen. But it's it's obvious that, like, he did these things for the show, and he didn't tell anybody he did them for the show, and they're coming back to haunt him, and these experiences are accumulating on him. And that was the moment where I was like, oh, okay, yeah. I see how much fun this can be, you know, if, if we can do that to this poor character. Yeah, it's interesting watching even that pilot episode, or I guess the first episode that aired. I don't know if it was actually the pilot. Was- no. Actually, okay. yeah, we had a different sort of pilot that, that sold the show, and then the first episode that airs is different from that. Okay, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's interesting watching, because you think they're going to be these segments that are not going to speak to each other. They're going to be isolated. But the fact that they grow, it, it does add something else to this show. Yeah, other, uh, otherwise I think it would be a, like a one-man sketch show mm-hmm. in a way. Uh, and it, it seems like it ought to be more than that, particularly since it's about a guy reviewing life experiences, taking, being asked to do things within his own life. So we might as well see what that does to his life, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and then when did you guys get involved? Jeffrey Blitz came on board to direct the pilot uh-huh. back in 1988. <laughs> <laughs> so, but did I, I got the script in 1888, <laughs> and then we decided to wait until television. Um, no, I actually, and when I got it, I was on, I don't know that I was on the fence. I loved the script, but really the chance to, to um, work with Daly really excited about, but I said no. Uh, really? Yeah, and oftentimes I, I do this. I do this oftentimes. Something that seems great, my first instinct is to is to say no to. It. Why spoil it with the actual experience? Yeah, kind of. No, I, I'm fans. sure that it's so pure. Perfect experience. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Let me leave it like this. An idea. I think that I, I mean I must have had something else that I had been angling for for a mm-hmm. while and I was afraid it would conflict. I don't even remember what that was now. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so at first I said no and then as soon as I said no, I thought that's that's so <laughs> dumb. Yeah. Uh, and so then I said yes and luckily they hadn't found anyone else to do it. Right. And what was the state of the script at that point? And, and did you write the script? Did you have anything to do with the I, script? No, I, I came in after it was oh, picked okay. up. I wrote the script along with a, a producer named Charlie Siskel, who was producing the pilot and uh, also co-writing it. And we, so we had written it, and I thought of Jeff because he's a documentarian and a mockumentarian, and uh, <laughs> and also a graduate of my high school. Andy Blitz and I were oh, high no school kidding. chums, I didn't know that. and oh, yeah. uh, Jeff Blitz is his brother. That's we all went to high school together, and so that was, you know. Uh, part of the reason I, he left to my mind. Sure. Uh, yeah. And um, so tell me about oh, the state uh, of the script. Yeah, I'm curious about putting together that pilot. Uh, and, you know, how much did you use the original material as a jumping off? What was that whole process like for you? Well, there, the Australian show starts episode one with stealing. Mm-hmm. And, and so did our pilot and so does the series. Uh, and then after that, we sort of we took it in different directions. But we did something with the pilot, and the reason that you're not watching the pilot <laughs> is that we did something very different with it tonally. We we 
I don't know what I should reveal about the pilot, but why not everything? That is <laughs> just that it was um, the the second seg. The first segment was stealing, and it goes roughly the way you see it go. I mean, we made quite a few changes. We reshot a bunch of things. Um, uh, well, I know it is worth saying that a difference in our in the pilot stealing is that Forrest drags along his intern. And then in the end, ends up framing it all on his intern and walks away scot-free as this intern uh, gets shot and arrested like as and gets the blame for everything that gets stolen so far in that segment. Gets the blame for the police car that gets stolen, like everything that Forrest has stolen at that point all gets pinned on his poor intern. And then in the second segment, he's just asked, what's it like to keep a secret? And the secret that he chooses to keep, he could choose any secret, is to have an affair uh, with a young woman. (laughs) So the forest of the pilot, I think we're trying to be, frankly, just trying to be kind of outrageous, I think. Uh, the forest of the pilot is is a more malevolent person, and uh, that was a major insight that Jeff brought on board when when we started doing the series. Because after the wonderful experience of working with Jeff in the pilot, when it got picked up to a series, I was like, "Please come on board and uh, uh, contribute as much as humanly possible <laughs> for as, as long a time as possible." And uh, yeah, that was a um, an incredible note of Jeff's that that it's more interesting to say that. This man would not be doing any of these transgressive things if not for this show. Mm-hmm. He he did not come into this as a person looking for an, an excuse to behave badly in the world. Mm-hmm. He came into this actually the opposite <laughs> and and finds himself it, uh, behaving badly against his will. Yeah, it's interesting that that wasn't baked in from the start because that strikes me as, you know, we know you as an actor and it strikes me as such an Andy Daly character to be this guy who isn't malicious, but who is doing this thing and, and doing these things because, you know, not that he's forced to, but because it's his job, because he's kind of put along on this train. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that you don't have <laughs> grotesque or malicious characters. Oh, absolutely. Um, but in general, like, I think I think something people respond to you as a character guy and as an actor is, you know, your your warmth. Mm-hmm. That is there no matter what. Yeah. So, so it was it's, it's, foolishly it's missing from the pilot. <laughs> and <laughs> do you want to talk, Jeff, at all about the, the process of, what, discovering that that was... I mean, I would just... Listen, part of it, I think, was just a visceral reaction mm-hmm. that by the end of the pilot, I didn't like Forrest that much. Mm-hmm. So I didn't mm-hmm. want to go on a journey with a guy beyond the pilot. Like, I, I you know, um, I think the scenes themselves, because they were outrageous... Uh, that like I could laugh, but I didn't really care whether or not, yeah. you know, or, or just about him. So mm-hmm. I think I wanted to um, find a way to like him, but also I just felt like it's about whether there's anything at stake for him. And if he doesn't care about anyone but himself or his fame um, at all, I just, you know, like, um, I think that that, that just... That means that an audience can't really find the stakes in it. But if he's trying to protect his life and his and his wife and his child mm-hmm. and all that, and uh, you know, but it but it is his. Um, but the fact that he is so uh, into his own show means that without trying to destroy all that, he starts to destroy all that. That's a character I can feel for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just seems more inherently interesting if you're if he's saying like. 
I'll just have whatever experience you guys throw at me, you, the audience. It's just going to be more interesting if they are giving him things that he does not want to do. <laughs> right. I, I, I absolutely yeah. agree. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny. Like, it sounds like a network note make him more likable, but it, it makes so much sense from a narrative standpoint. It was not a network note. <laughs> no. I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's so smart, yeah. but uh, yeah. I don't know. It's yeah, well, the kind of thing you hear all right, the time. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, network. although it does... It, it puts a limit on how outrageous some of it can mm-hmm. be in a way. That, mm-hmm. like, if Forrest isn't trying to generate his own, you know, like, um, awful stuff in the world, right. then, sure. you know, uh, so, yeah. So, so it's possible that the comedy could have gone to kind of a greater extent mm-hmm. if Forrest had set out to hurt others. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Well, it just means I think that he doesn't knowingly or willingly make right. things worse than he's asked to make them. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that he can't make things worse. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a kind of naivety that yeah. is really that, that you're rooting for him even when, you know, he's getting the sex doll because his wife won't. Like, there's, there's so much right. baked in there. <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, Andy, when did you uh, get, get involved? So I jumped in uh, after the show was uh, picked up. Um, which was, uh, <laughs> uh, actually, you know, what? strangely, it was right around the same time that the, uh, that the, uh, sex, sex doll came onto the show. <laughs> you joined also. It was, we were hired as I'm a sure. team. <laughs> it was, it, we, Tommy Central asked us to split us out. One of those writing force yeah. marriages. You know. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so, so they, uh, writers were added, um, uh, you know, a that couple was months May before. in 2012 when we yeah, started writing. Right. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. <laughs> so long ago. May in yeah. 2012. Yeah. Is that for real? June 2012, actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank yeah. God. <laughs> That's um, when we started writing. Yeah. Right. Almost two yeah, years so ago. Yeah, how, so how did the show start to come together after that? Uh, how big was the writer's room? How was the staffing handled? Uh, and then kind of how was the show broken? Well, once they once they picked it up and I, was, and I asked Jeff to come on and uh, help run it, mm-hmm. um, we uh, then asked Andy to come on and help uh, produce it and run the room, mm-hmm. as well as Leo Allen uh, of Saturday Night Live fame mm-hmm. and, and Slovin and Allen fame. And uh, then brought Kevin Dorff on board from Conan, people know him from Conan, and Carol Kolb, people know him from The Onion, and Gavin Steckler, who people know don't, don't know, know at all. Don't know at all. <laughs> In fact, yeah. Now they do. Yeah, this yeah. is it. His debut. He's, yeah, he, and he turned out to be an amazing asset to the room, And he, but he had only ever worked on that other show before. What was that called? Zach Stone's uh, Zach. Gonna Be Famous yeah. uh, MTV show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, that so was that's, like, that's a good size room. I mean, that's manageable. Like that's like five, six people. No, right? it was not manageable. It was <laughs> really not. The egos, huge egos, all <laughs> egos. Uh, and a great writer's assistant in Tara, Sarah Tapscott, who's a yeah. huge asset. That's yeah, yeah. very valuable. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. And then Sarah Peters came in to spell her. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Waiter during the shoot. Mm-hmm. But I at one point added up how long I knew everybody in the room, and it was literally. Over a hundred years. Oh wow! It literally went back to was when it because it was Jeff people from Conan and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, well, it's I've known uh, Andy since we were juniors mm-hmm. in high school. Right. I know, but like he's that. cheating because you've known me. Yeah, yeah. your whole life. whole life. We go way back. <laughs> so yeah. that's a cheat. <laughs> I met him. <laughs> I met my parents uh, introduced me to Jeff when I was seven. Let's go to them. <laughs> sure. Yeah, they a would formal lock. introduction. Yeah, yeah. Well, He'd they, been around. Let us know. out of our rooms. You knew each other from time. the corridors and so forth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
to nod. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys formally met? <laughs> We've been going on vacations and stuff <laughs> your entire life. It's time you knew. Yeah. Um, so how did how did the show? How did you guys start to break the show once you had the room together? Not swiftly. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it no, feels not like swiftly. like this many comedy writers in a room mm. would be just throwing stuff at the wall. I mean, it feels like there's so much opportunity. Sure, I don't think there was ever a lack of ideas. Uh, it was, but it, yeah, it did, it, it did. It was sort of labor intensive. Uh, but I think we started by mapping out Forrest's trajectory mm-hmm. um, from uh, eager novice. <laughs> To a uh, broken man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like broken, Breaking Bad. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Uh, what was the initial order? Uh, eight. Okay. Yeah, they ordered eight. Uh, yeah, so we mapped out a trajectory for Forrest mm-hmm. uh, uh, in yellow cards on a bulletin board mm-hmm. for uh, w- what would happen to him emotionally in his, in his life. Uh, and then we started to sort of fill in segments, mm-hmm. uh, three per episode, uh, that would uh, play into that trajectory, help that trajectory. Actually, yes. I think it, w- it was four if oh, we count yeah. the snap judgment oh segment, which never made it in. But oh, we were going to do a, a part of the show <laughs> where Forrest was going to have to do a segment just kind of like on the studio stage. Right. But ours is not a three-hour program. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I mean, we, so we really, as a room, did not know how long words were uh, <laughs> in time. <laughs> we th- I think probably once you factor in the snap judgments, which later got cut, every episode was written to be at least 45 minutes, yes. right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding. Uh, which is how we ended up with nine episodes, you'll notice, uh, from your TV guide. <laughs> there are nine episodes of review no because at some point in editing, we discovered that uh, we could either brutally cut these things to the point where there's no no air, mm-hmm. no, things aren't breathing, or we could reshuffle and make nine episodes out of it, and huh. we did that. That's really interesting. I and do the credits to... sometimes appear in the middle of episodes. <laughs> we, just, we just took our total runtime and divided it by nine. Um, I do want to hear about pro- post-production in a minute, but yes. um, for each of you, what was your experience with narrative writing? I mean, this is a lot different from writing for you know a late show or even a sketch show. This mm-hmm. is much closer to a traditional sitcom. Yeah, yeah I think well, probably... Jeff, you have the most narrative writing experience. Uh, yes, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess um, that uh, I had written um, feature screenplays, Rocket Science, which was my first mm-hmm. feature. Um, oh, my God. I forgot I about that. that, too. Oh. That was great, too. Thank you. God damn it. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so, yeah. You so, were hoping to embarrass him with his resume. <laughs> that, and then, uh, I spent um, a year... Uh, toiling on um, some uh, studio feature work. Uh, um, But I think in terms of narrative uh, screenwriting, that's probably it for me. I'd done Mm -hmm. a couple things for HBO um, and that sort of stuff. But I think that I learned a lot about TV narrative work, not from writing, but from... um, I started on The Office in season three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I just think from being in that environment and seeing the whole process from script, you know, um, all the way through on that, I, th- I, I mean, I should have realized that our scripts were very long. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think there are other story things uh, that 
um, that on that show I started to pick up there, I think. Mm. Things because things uh, carry over from one episode to another mm-hmm. on that show. Is that right? Oh, I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> I didn't realize when that. Jim and Pam got married, they are still married the following episode. I actually, I, I don't know who Jim and Pam are. <laughs> it's a blur. Anything you don't need to know the characters. Yeah, right. I didn't really track it that closely. Um, was the room, was the review room run sort of in the way that you had seen on The Office? Uh, the Office. The staff of the office, because of the size, I think, has to be run in a different way. Our room had a more informal vibe to it, I would mm-hmm. say, for the most part. And I think and people would often the writing wouldn't happen in the room or on the premises at all. For us. Yeah, that's yeah, right. right. People would go to coffee shops or to bars. That was mainly oh, a function of the space that we had, which was not conducive to doing <laughs> right. anything. <laughs> <laughs> But we I were in a forgotten, a forgotten corner of an old building. Yeah, uh, I hear this a lot lately, though. That it seems to be the way things are going, where you kind of convene the room and and get as much on the board or on paper as you can, and then kind of send everybody off to do the work, and then yeah. it gets compiled uh, by someone. Yeah. Well, one just technical note to mention is that is that we were structured some for some reason as as a variety staff for maybe some guild. Designation, I don't know. But but what it meant was that we did not assign an episode Mm -hmm. to an individual writer. We instead assigned segments to individual Mm -hmm. writers. So we would sit as a room and beat out and brainstorm the stealing segment, let's say, and then hand that off to someone to go write rather than, you know, an entire episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We also – one thing that's a little different from narrative is we could have – we would have ideas for Forrest to review something that – that we were with all respond to before we even knew exactly where it would go mm-hmm. in the trajectory. Oh, right. sure. Yeah. So at some point we knew we we're going to send Forrest to go to an orgy. Well, I guess <laughs> it's going to happen. We all know it's going to happen. That's unavoidable. <laughs> and, and no one's going to like it. Yeah. So it's just a matter of figuring in like where is he emotionally and what has happened in his life when mm-hmm. we do that. But, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So mm-hmm. did you guys kind of come up with these review segments and throw them up and start shuffling things around. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would imagine they're assigned around that time. How do, how were they then put together? You know, who, who looked at it last and started giving these things a shape? I mean, I would say before they went off to be written, they were grouped together yes. per okay. yeah. episode. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. So the person mm-hmm. writing the second segment of, you know, episode three knew what was coming before. Yeah. Well, it was important to know, like, whether Forrest was, you know, uh, that if Forrest's station in the world was as mm-hmm. a married man or not at this point. <laughs> right, was right. he a happy person, uh, content mm-hmm. with his life still, or had that started to fray, or had it really imploded right. by now? And all of these things, was he still on coke? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I guess we did start... I, I, I do think the first thing we did was to map his emotional trajectory mm-hmm. across yeah. the season, and then the second thing we did was to just get as many cards on the board of topics, well, which began with a list of the Australian topics, which I don't know how many we ended up doing mm-hmm. in the end, but that was the obvious natural starting point, mm-hmm. and then filled in many, many more from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think also that because we do call we do call back... Uh, things within episodes. There were certain times when we would, somewhat late in the process, just just decide a, a review wasn't working for us, and we had to hold a fill in that episode. And so we, mm-hmm. 
you know, we'd have an extra review floating around, like, let's put it there, and then we'd have to figure out how to carry a thread, you know, from yeah. the beginning of the episode to the end of the episode. Yeah, sort of. what was, can you give me examples of them not working? Well, the one, if, this is an interesting, because I've, I've done a lot of interviews about this, and everybody, everybody <laughs> asks that question. It's a strange, interesting question. People always go, what, what's one that didn't work out? Why do you want to hear about failure? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your most creatively well, frustrating it's, it's so no, no, I know why you want to, because you know? this is an interview about the process, but these are like little light little Q&As. And tell me about them that didn't work. <laughs> what are you uh, saying? <laughs> <laughs> But I, uh, because of that, I have thought about it, and I remember yeah. the solving a crime one yeah, was one that man was tried, tried so hard we to tried. crack, having Forrest solve a crime, yeah. and and I'm not taking it off the table for future seasons. <laughs> you know, I feel like we could do it, but but I think wasn't the central challenge of that that well, f- partly because he has to be smart, <laughs> smarter than he is, but all, what it was also sad. It was also well, all about process. Yeah, know. but it was also that. For Forrest to actually insert himself into an actual crime that needed to be solved seemed like such an unlikely state of affairs, I think, right? <laughs> so that, like, you know, that, like, uh, you know, a child is gone. Why would the parents allow mm-hmm. Forrest McNeil to uh, <laughs> help them with that? So, um, right. so that was tough. And then I remember the actual, in order to make it entertaining, the solving of the crime entertaining, we turned it into like a CSI kind of spoof, uh-huh. and it, it was—it just—it didn't work. It feels like I it's not the it language work. of the show. Yeah, right. That's right. If you had been there, then <laughs> you, you would have saved just five drafts of solving right. a crime. Yeah. Uh, Two thousand twelve, I was unavailable. <laughs> <laughs> um, it ought to be fun for Forrest to say, "Let me find an unsolved crime and right. solve it." As a naive idiot in the world, and so I, I believe me, I'll, I'll bring it up on day one, of season two. <laughs> But there's a lot of work to get to that. I can see why that that wouldn't uh, stick. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, there was another yeah. that didn't work that comes to mind, mm-hmm. where Forrest goes to the pedophile camp. Oh, my. remember that? But I don't know. I think that did work. And <laughs> <laughs> the page not for standards and practices. <laughs> not for standards and practices. This was. Should we spill the beans on what it was? Why not? Yeah. I should say that I it told was Jeff this before. Yeah. I'll do an edit on this. Oh, okay. So if you guys decide I want that taken out, I'm yeah. glad to take it out. So the the concept here was that Forrest goes off the grid. And, and what a great idea. What a good idea for a segment and a good question for his audience to ask him, what's it like to go off the grid? And for him, it means he goes out to where he can't, his GPS can't find him, his cell phone can't find him. He is gone. He's off the grid and living alone in nature uh, and then stumbles on a colony of men who've given up on, <laughs> on society. And it takes him forever to figure out that they are a self-exiled uh, pedophile camp. <laughs> Well, okay, but, but but hang on. But just to be clear, it isn't just that. Forrest brings his son to the camp, yeah, not sure. because being aware. He is so enamored of these is. men and their right. lifestyle that he wants to bring his son to be right, a part of this. Right. But there was uh, something about it that was sad and horrifying. I can't put my finger on what it was exactly. Is, but... it, is it that we're an advertiser-supported show? Is that the right. problem? No, no, no. No. Uh, no, because really, I don't think, I don't think it was till our table read it was at our table oh, wow. read where, where I felt, even though it got big laughs, I remember it got big laughs, and I just thought it doesn't exist in our universe. It really uh, didn't feel that way. Why? Too, I mean, because I thought we ditched it because Comedy Central was like, no, if you send him off the grid, give him, give him the 
uh, the iconic experience or, or being off the grid. Yeah. But I think yeah. it doesn't they have were, to have this left turn. Yeah. yeah I feel like they were just being more political than I was in <laughs> oh, response uh-huh. to it. Because I just think it felt like that, the, that, that if Forrest is going to get in with pedophiles, then we need to treat that in some kind of seriousness. And instead, uh-huh. our pedophiles were like... Weren't real well, that's right. pedophiles. They were jokey that's, pedophiles. That's correct. Well, to the point where it, <laughs> they get away by throwing a pair of pants out in the road, which all the pedophiles jump on. A pair of child's pants. A pair of child's pants. Right. Which they all so jump that, on. And so that was, that's enough of a distraction to get away. <laughs> the, so that's yeah. a little a little cartoony. Yeah. For, yeah, yeah for not been, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe that is how they really... Response. It may be. It not. may be very grounded. I think yeah. Um, I think that that tone question is an interesting one, though, mm. about you know how cartoony do you get with Forrest, with the world, and with his interactions with other characters. This must have been something that you guys discussed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Again and again we discussed it. <laughs> well, it ended up being a thing that we had to find through long trial and error. I think, and 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 even late in the process, you know. All of us were pitching things in there that we later were like, no, that's that's outside yeah. the world, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, I think one of the things that people kept having to having to sort of say back to us is that the most of the world outside of Forest should be should not feel like it's played for laughs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That the more Forest exists within a real world and brings his blindness into the real world, the more the experiment might be funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes sense. Yeah, but somehow when you have a room of people mm-hmm. who are really funny, oh yeah, they don't want to like you know you want the you want your humor to be able to to kind of track through mm-hmm. the whole world of it, and it's mm-hmm. tough to be as restrained as all. Yeah, that. each character. There was a point where each character was made ridiculous, and then <laughs> yes, right, have yeah. to be reined in it's to true. be. That's really true. Sort of to be a straight. Straight man or straight sure. woman for Forrest. That makes it a weird experience to cut that much funny, but mm-hmm. at the same time, if you have him walking through an insane world full of insane people, what's it's it's ultimately less fun. Yeah, yeah, There's, absolutely. It, it it feels like it doesn't have the legs that it otherwise might. Have. Right, it becomes sort of a sketch show in many ways. Yeah, and it, along the same lines, another sort of rule that we stumbled upon is that when things go wrong, which they will, it has to be his fault. Right. You oh, know? interesting. Mm-hmm. Where? How did that start coming up? Do you remember what what piece that first that, that first? I mean, you must have just gone se- down I think the it wrong just road. Seemed, it just yeah. seemed like a, a fun thing because at some point, or fairly early, we decided that he's a self-important guy and he mm-hmm. thinks what he's doing is very valuable and this is scientific, sub, socially scientific uh, value. So I think that. You know, just paired nicely with a guy who's a total idiot and just <laughs> like is responsible for his own, you know, creating the havoc in his life through his sheer ineptness and yeah, you know, mm-hmm. stupidity. It makes sense. Um, yeah. And and from a, a nuts and bolts perspective, um, do you guys look at these segments as a sort of traditional three act structure within the segment? As well as, you know, the, the macro of the episode. Sure. I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it feels that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is it something you steered towards? Was it something yeah. you guys and well, the writers were I'll aware you, of? Well, one of the things, when we started the show, we really, we wanted the segments to be able to play um, either, so that, so that, like, you could watch, you could watch them 
uh, I think like Comedy Central at the time felt like most of their audience isn't going to watch a complete show on TV. They're going to watch hmm. individual segments online. That's just how people are watching TV a lot now, It's so. crazy to me that they have finally recognized that. Mm. Well, I remember but, talking to the Key and Peele guys a year ago saying, yeah. why don't they see that people watch the show online? Yes, mm-hmm. although I think the interesting thing, so it was important for us to, to, to let each of the segments feel like mm-hmm. they were, you know, Yeah, you could watch it all by itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is, since we started working on the show, people watch TV in a different kind of way now. And, and, to, and so, like, the model of how these things get watched is different. And suddenly, the fact that, the fact that we've, got, we've got a story that tracks through the whole season mm-hmm. becomes a great asset to it's us. It's an Absolutely. asset now that it wasn't when we started writing the show in That's June really of 2012 really in a House weird way. House of Cards was pitched and <laughs> produced Absolutely. and released right. yeah, all before. <laughs> and, and not only that, like not only pe- are people m- binge-watching more on Netflix and Amazon and all that, but we had a meeting with Comedy Central to talk about their app, which they mm-hmm. they never described as Comedy Central's HBO Go, but I will. And, <laughs> because and, and That's what it is, and it, and it will be a backlog of, of <laughs> shows, and people will watch. It does look great. And people will watch Comedy Central shows through that, yeah. and they'll watch the whole season. Yeah, that's right. Go. So, yeah. That's so really I, neat. I would yeah. bet that, yeah, I would bet that for all the shows, suddenly suddenly hmm. the way they're seen will change. Serialization is okay. Yeah. Not, uh, right. It doesn't yeah, have to be so. quite so episodic. That's yeah. interesting. But I think the, and the other thing to say maybe about you were asking about the three-act structure mm. of the pieces, I think this is a good time to mention that we talked about how every one of them can't be can't just be a story it has to be an exploration that forest is on you know what i mean and that and it's it's a package that forest has put together to tell us about his experience of this event and everything in it is mm. something that he wanted us to know mm-hmm. you know what i mean right yes yeah, yeah. that's really mm-hmm. interesting. right that's right like yeah we had our hands were tied in a way because it wasn't a show within a show it's right. just the show or yeah. yeah or the show within the show is the entire show right almost. That yeah, is. I mean, it's you're sort of you're sort of <laughs> who could possibly understand? <laughs> no, I mean, there's the show within the show, guys. <laughs> no, no, but that's the show. The show. No, that's there's a show not... within a show, but you never see the show. You only see the show. <laughs> Wait a minute, that's not correct. There is no show. Within the show. It's just the show. It's just uh, like saying I strongly disagree <laughs> because you can't like what you're right. saying. There's yeah. a show within a show. You might as well say. There's a show, there's a show, is really what you mean. <laughs> I wish you wouldn't say that. Uh, but it feels like you're sort of dealing with the same kind of constraints and freedoms, but mostly constraints, that The Office was dealing with. Like, you, you are limited to this point of view, and that is the documentary that is presented, where, you know, here you're limited to what this show, what review sure. of Forrest Although, I will say, The Office, I feel like, I mean, I felt like very quickly The Office decided they were going to cheat mm-hmm. like that. And we decided we were going to cheat quickly too. But mm-hmm. I feel like our cheating to me was the overall cheat of you have to believe that wherever Forrest goes, he's got this crew and people don't obsess over it. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think if you can swallow that much of it, I don't think it cheats beyond that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, no, in the reality of the show, it's not di- that different from, you know, Ghost Hunters or something where these people yeah, are existing. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. our, I think our show is a little around. more real than Ghost Hunters. I think Hunters. that's true. Well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes um, you can feel the presence of those ghosts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Um, but I don't know. I, I guess I feel like we have more of a restraint in that it, it would be more like maybe uh, if on The Office somebody put together 10 minutes of that footage to to tell us the specific to make a specific mm-hmm. point about what one of the characters <laughs> right, is doing yeah. you know what i mean so each one of these pieces it's it's hard to sort of wander off and and tell you something about forrest or or these other characters sure. uh that you want to get across because you have to say well wait a minute why is this a part of forrest's story about addiction it doesn't it wouldn't be it's so his point of view yeah uh, that's that's really interesting uh let's talk about those other characters for a moment and where they came from and how they were developed. Uh, again, what was in the original material? How much did you guys bring? And then how much did casting change them, if at all? Oh, oh interesting, yeah. Yeah, hey, I'm very good at this. Yeah, <laughs> you really are. God, I have to say, I'm stunned. <laughs> I'm so we surprised. All, we all. It's revenge for uh, your rocket science. <laughs> oh, I just love that movie. <laughs> just Congratulations. Thank you. Gosh, thank Passive-aggressive compliments. <laughs> that makes yeah, me yeah. feel great. Thank you. <laughs> well, uh, Australia, he had a wife and two children, mm-hmm. and at some point he acquired a lawyer <laughs> as he needed one, but I don't recall and and he has some he has friends but i don't I, but i only remember his friends in one segment mm-hmm. and then there are sort of recurring characters that pop up who you who you gather are are celebrities in australia uh right because there's <laughs> yeah. there's a there's you a running gag yeah there's yeah, a running right. gag with one of them that somebody keeps saying hey you look like the guy from whatever and, he, and it's just like the joke is that he looks exactly like this actor who i assume he is right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming. Sorry, Australia. <laughs> yeah. We don't know your celebrities. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So then how did you guys start to develop your own and, you know, make those uh, secondary characters well, the voice of this show specifically? I would ju- uh, uh, let me, instead of answering that exactly, okay. <laughs> just to kind of prime the pump, I think we decided that because the season-long narrative arc for Forrest was going to be far more important to us than it was to the Aussie version mm-hmm. of it, um, that part of the way that you track Forrest State is going to be through the people around him. Mm-hmm. So it was important to to give him, you know, like a cast around him, basically. Uh, right. I think. Yeah. Is that, that, makes sense. Is that right? I, I mean, I think, I think that that was an idea that came up when when we were working on the series. I think in the pilot it was a little more... Not quite as thought out, but I think there was just a general sense that if you fill out his world with regular people, you have you you give yourself more legs going forward. I mm-hmm. think was all was the only thought yeah. there, mm-hmm. uh, which is why we gave him an assistant. And uh, actually, the original concept in the pilot is that he was going to have a rotating. Uh, menagerie of interns that got destroyed in one way yeah. after another, which was something we one talked shot about. One turn episode, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Right. just destroyed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and and for the most part, I think yes, those characters are grounded and and help to set it in the real world. Um, but the I forget the character's name, but the the woman who is on the show with him. Who reads the, oh, yeah. in the studio? AJ yeah. Gibbs, yeah. Uh, who's mm-hmm. a great character and mm-hmm. sort of a great foil. Uh, feels like a character in the same way that Forrest. Yeah, I mean she's uh, a little outside of yes. yeah, yeah. the norm. Yeah. Well, I will say we struggled uh, with that, and I, 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 I think for exactly that reason that yeah. we didn't know is it funnier if you have a real co-host there. Uh, or is it funnier to give Forrest a different kind of foil and let the 
people uh, within his world be more real, but because she's supposed to be um, a person of television, right. we kind of justified it by saying that mm-hmm. the only way any, um, you know, uh, the, the only way the show would make it on the air is if there was something to appeal to, you know, people out there who don't wear glasses, basically, <laughs> or who do wear glasses yes, exactly. and don't wear glasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's there was the to some extent. Your audience. We did That's talk. Right. We right. did talk about backstory that mm-hmm. we don't even um, that you know we just sort of know ourselves, oh, and so in that we talked about like what is the development of this show, mm-hmm. what kind of channel is it on. And with AJ, really AJ mm-hmm. Gibbs, it was, and, we and wasted we, so much time. <laughs> yeah, we, weeks went by was, talking about that. No, it was a <laughs> waste. <laughs> weeks. <laughs> maybe this leads to it, maybe not, but it, it feels lived, lived in, you know? There are a lot of things that because of the format of the show would not get communicated on this show, but that we had to know anyway. Yes, sure. right. Yeah. Yeah. What, what were some of those things that came out of those? Well, well it doesn't take place on Earth. <laughs> 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 they wouldn't say that, would they? Yeah. <laughs> it's all in the imagination right. of the security guard who shoots the intern. <laughs> and he is actually killing innocent people. Sorry, why is the security guard on Mars? <laughs> all security that. guards are on Mars. Oh, I had no. Someone's got that. Down here, they're just holograms of people on Mars. There's no reason to, be, to do what they say. Yeah. It's a whole Trust Doctor me. Strange situation. Punch him in the face. What has happened? What question was asked? Uh, something about what, what were some of the, that backstory that, that filled in the world oh, for you yeah. guys, whether it was a waste of time or not? No, no, no. It was not. It was well, not. some it was of it fun. shifted around a bit, but for one thing that we sort of decided at some point was that Forrest had been a film reviewer, uh, but had b- been disgraced in that line of work and was now attempting to fail upwards <laughs> by taking on something of greater significance. Uh-huh. Um, also that there's, there is an internal logic where... You know, his wife and his neighbors and the people around him understand that he is in a television show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, they, but he, for scientific purposes, to not skew the results of what he's doing, hasn't told them that he is reviewing life experiences. Right. Uh, because you wouldn't, you know, if you're having a genuine experience of being a sex tape, the people around you can't know that you're just doing this, <laughs> you know, for uh, scientific purposes, right? Uh, that's interesting. And I think uh, it's that kind of thing that I'm thinking of, like racism, for example, mm-hmm. that really lands that. Mm-hmm. They don't know what he's doing, right? Or why? Right. Otherwise, what's going on. the reaction is just like, "Oh, this is a guy doing it, doing it for right. the show." Yeah. But yeah. we had a lot of discussions about whether we should be overt about what Forrest has shared with the people right. around yeah. him. And I think the general sense was the less attention we draw to it, you know, uh, it's just a safer bet. Yeah. Nobody's favorite like, part of the TV show is the part where they explain everything. Absolutely. <laughs> and also to be faithful to what I call the show within the show, which is also the show, and that Jeff just calls the show. But to be faithful to what Forrest would actually do, he wouldn't necessarily go out of his way to explain Mm -hmm. why people are in the dark. You know, he would just present his actual experiment. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. But if I can also backtrack a little bit to AJ in the studio, Mm -hmm. I, I think that discussion of what to do in those studio pieces started with something that for me was very important, which is that we understand that Forrest didn't choose these topics and that he has not, before uh, coming on the air, sifted through a bunch of submitted topics and said, that one, I want to do that one. It's, he is not, you know, it's important to me that he's not choosing these. So to get that across, 
we wanted it to feel that he's learning about them for the first time with right. you here mm-hmm. in the studio. Why does that make a difference to you? Um, because some of these things are transgressive and they're and they're evil. And in particular, when it comes to that third episode, divorcing your wife, if that was a topic of a list of things, he would not. He would say no. Right? <laughs> Any rational person, or if he if he picked it out from among a hundred things to possibly do, he's a monster, right? right? I think so. I don't know that that seemed like it would help us to understand this this character if, yeah. if he's not doing this on purpose. And then so the I I think that is where the idea of a co-host originally came from to facilitate that mm-hmm. uh, in studio discovery of what these things are. And then be. I mean, wringing comedy out of the questions themselves <laughs> right. and uh, her delivery of the questions too <laughs> right. uh, is so brilliant. Was that was that again? Was that there from the beginning, or was this something you guys discovered as you went? We might have discovered it seconds before we shot it. Yeah, it was sort of a chaotic uh, process. And she, she was one of those people that it's like, uh, like with the other characters in the, in the, in the world that uh, Forrest is in, like how grounded is she? So we, at one, we you know, would sometimes have her be too cartoonish mm-hmm. and then, uh, you know, we, we'd make us all laugh and then be like, wait a minute, this is a real person who has been hired to... Right. <laughs> attractive woman on a television show with him so you know we would try to then try to fit the jokes more into more of a grounded character I guess to some extent yeah and I will say just from a shooting perspective one of the things that we that we talked a lot about was what her wardrobe should be because (laughs) to the extent that at the beginning of the segment it's meant to be on a certain day and then Forrest goes out out into the field after that they tape the segment, they cut the segment, and then we come back, um, you know, uh, into the studio. For him she to issue can't his be stars. wearing the same clothes. So when we shot that, uh, there were a lot of wardrobe changes. I mean, a lot of wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. changes. For those very short segments. Yes. That's really those very I wonder if segments, anyone so. has, uh, yeah, has noticed that to appreciate it. That well, she's, wearing, she's wearing <laughs> outfit A to introduce stealing, and then outfit B for the outro of stealing and the intro of addiction. <laughs> and then right. she's wearing outfit C for the outro of addiction and the intro sure. of prom. And then <laughs> outfit D. D. For the very ending. Yeah. What a pain in the ass. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, it wasn't a pain in the ass for us. (laughs) Can you imagine? How many episodes was it? Can you imagine changing clothes? For her. But personally, I hate changing clothes. Which is why it's perfect that I'm in the same um, thing. Yeah. Right. That's a a funny contrast, too, because Forrest is in the same outfit. Always in every time. I know. (laughs) Right. But uh, which is, uh, right, like it's, it's meant to point a little bit to something that's very sexist about television in general. Uh, Mm -hmm. um, But, uh, yeah, I think for however much of a pain it was for us, Megan Stevenson, who plays uh, A.J. Gibbs, was game for it. Yeah. And was also game for, I mean, we were changing the character on the fly as we were shooting, and she did a marvelous job of adjusting. Wow. Yeah, tell me a little bit about production of this. Um, I, I, I don't generally get into this, but I am curious and... Feel free to ignore it altogether. Um, but was the budget the budget that you wanted to make the show that you wanted to make? I, do, I, I preferred to not know a lot about it. <laughs> <laughs> to tell you the truth. Sure. Cover your ears. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we sort of, uh, we sort of just write, wrote and we're told, go shoot. And That's great. 
Yeah. yeah sort of. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. All right. I mean, you were told. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I do think, I feel like we were ambitious in our writing mm. and ambitious in the sense that we didn't really write to fit what the constraints might mm-hmm. be of the shoot. And then we assumed that that at some point, if it was outrageous, then, you know, then we would sit and adjust. And so that happened, actually. Mm, you yeah. know, that mm-hmm. That's we, true. It, there came a moment where, yeah, where it was clear that, you know, that, uh, that in some ways we were appropriately ambitious and in mm-hmm. other ways, you know, we had kind of treaded into, you know, into... Um, the kind of thing that shouldn't be done on a show like this. <laughs> yeah, there was a late-in-the-game rethink and rewrite of some more ambitious things. So it was, it was the kind of adjustments that were not just, you know, do this inside instead of outside. It was bigger than that. No, it was like, uh, I mean, literally, it was like, do more of this on planet Earth. And yes, not, literally, uh, that's yes, true. Yeah, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm actually not kidding. I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> but, yeah, there is a segment that could have taken place more off planet Earth than it does <laughs> right now. Uh, all right, True. tune in, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then for the production itself, uh, how long did you guys have? Was it enough time? I know it's never enough time, but you know, how how did production generally go? I mean, I think it was enough time. Yeah, right? don't you think? Uh, mm-hmm. It was a. It was meant to be forty days, and then I think with the studio stuff, it was another four 42 days or something, or something, something yeah. like that. Something like that for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe we started with the sex doll and ended with the orgy. Yes, right. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and it was block shot. Maybe you, you might be interested to know. It, meaning that all of the scenes in, in Forrest's house were shot mm-hmm. uh, in the, the same, same week, time. even though they're spaced out over the course of uh, all nine episodes. Yeah, which makes it for you um, a very confusing state of affairs because sure. you have to track your progress. I mean, I tried to help you a little bit when mm-hmm. I wasn't <clears throat> eating lunch, <laughs> basically. <laughs> were you at least able to go chronologically you know, um, in, in the, the house? No, Not even. No, no. Wow. I don't know. No. That's really tough. The, the scenes we shot off planet Earth for some reason we didn't all do on the same day. <laughs> it was poor planning. Yeah, we had to get off Earth like <laughs> three or four different days. It's really. A but I will boo. say, um, most of the time when something is block shot, you don't shoot. You don't shoot a full, like, like on the office we would shoot sometimes two at the same time, or, or there are some shows that will do three. But to shoot what we thought was eight at the same time, uh, it was ambitious. Hmm. And it was, I mean, for a good reason, though, I think because we had Jeff directing every every one sure. of them, which was like, you know, I, I think, isn't, don't you think the reason they only do two at a time sometimes is because they're changing up directors and things like that? Um, or or they just haven't written that far yes, ahead of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah so were your script, I mean, your scripts must have been pretty locked before shooting even began. Yeah, I mean, um, fairly so. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we did. In terms right. of scenes and stuff mm-hmm. like yes, that. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and so, what was done on set? I mean, how much improvising was done? How much writing on the fly? It's it's interesting. I mean, there was there was a fair amount. Like there was a good, you know, uh, Jeff and Andy and Leo Blitz were sitting at the monitors pitching out new uh, new moments, new beats. Leo and Allen. Things. What did I say? Leo, Leo Blitz. Blitz. 
Did I really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, we have news, you guys. <laughs> no, you know what? I didn't meet Jeff till I was seven. Was seven. Maybe exactly. my parents will introduce. Uh, we always thought of him as a friend, but yeah. Uh, and then a fair amount of improvising. But as I often say, the improvising on this show was not designed to create like tons of new comedy. Right. It was designed, I feel, to make the scenes feel more natural. Mm-hmm. You know, would you, would you agree with that? Uh, I think in some cases, but mm-hmm. but I feel like it would depend on um, it would depend on the makeup of the cast for that oh, particular right. scene. So I feel like in the motel room when it was Andy Daly and Andy Blitz um, and Maria Thayer. Yes, thank you. Uh, that mm-hmm. I feel like the three of you episode eight. The three of you were so good at improv that um, that the idea that we wouldn't let you guys right. let the three of you just go for it that's true it would have been a loss and in the car too was that was yes. the Bonnie and Clyde stuff improvised or no that was in the script uh, it was yeah it was a combination well, it, it was, was in the script and then we improvised yeah, yeah. off of that <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, I I can see I mean that kind of improvisation and you hear this on on a lot of shows kind of. Gives a little more life to the scenes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, the way I remember it is that we often did the scene uh, once or twice as written and then tried to just sort of shake it up a little bit and yes. just sort of tell the story of the scene in our own words, maybe. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. yeah, and I think that, that you know, like, as we would shoot, you know, uh, you would come up, you know, with just a sense of, oh, instead of saying this, it'd be really funny. Mm-hmm. If you said that, or Leo would, or I would, or you would, or mm-hmm. yeah. Leo Allen, or Leo Blitz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think there is a Leo Blitz. I'm pretty sure. There's no way. Well, he got paid. Whoever he <laughs> is. Uh, and did you guys That's find scammer. in? Did you find in post production uh, a s- more of you know improvisation scenes? More of the third take would be used than the scripted scenes. I don't know. I think that it. No, I think it really some some of the scenes. Some of the scenes we cut exactly as they were scripted, mm-hmm. and then others just don't resemble the script at all now, mm-hmm. actually. Interesting. Uh, and it, you know, uh, I don't think there was a rule to it, which is part of the reason why Post probably took as long as it did, that there wasn't, you know, there wasn't some kind of a, you know, uh, it wasn't like our Post team, you know, suddenly saw, oh, okay, you know, it's always the third take. Oh, right. You know, right. like that. It, it didn't work like that. Well, plus, we had the luxury of <laughs> of uh, going back and redoing all that narration and, hmm. and tweaking that, right. you know, and oh, re-sculpting sure. pieces with narration because that's a convention of the show. Right. Uh, wow. So the writing process <clears throat> was intertwined with the post-production process mm-hmm. straight through to the end. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, you. we often hear about how the the episodes specifically are kind of found in the editing room. Yeah. Was that the case here? Is that yeah. why post-production was so extensive? Um, yes, yeah. That I think that the post team on this, that the people who were cutting for us were effectively part of our writing staff, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We should probably mention them. Oh, yeah. I don't think so. I disagree. Oh. I think you just did. I think we can, but give them both the last name Blitz. <laughs> no, Yana Gorskaya and Daniel Hayworth were our incredible editors. Yeah, uh, had you any of you worked with them before? Yeah, okay. um, Yana cut Spellbound. Yana cut Rocket Science. Um, Yana cut the pilot for the show. Mm-hmm. Yana's cut oh, wow. 
almost everything I've done other than the office. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. So you had that relationship, you know. When when you find, I feel like a lot of directors when they find that editor, oh yeah, uh, will will work with that person. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Over and over. So yeah. so you know. And they she kind is of, also a, a right, like she sells writing. Okay. Yeah, she, she just sold a show. Oh wow. Yeah. 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 Uh, a movie. A movie. Yes. Yeah. It's like a big show. Yeah, a, a one a one time. Show. <laughs> <What off>? right. <laughs> I think, yeah. right, I guess. Yeah, a film is the equivalent of a failed pilot. <laughs> really, is what that is nowadays. <laughs> I agree. Too often. Um, and so, uh, how long did that post production finally take? I mean, well, we've been hearing I mean, about the show for a long time. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, know. you know, the big delay was um, was a promotional delay. Oddly mm-hmm. enough, that we that we, you know we wrapped in February of 2013, <laughs> and uh, we were creating. What have I done with my yeah. life? <laughs> We were. Nine. I was frozen. I asked, I asked to be frozen until the season premiered, and I was shocked when it was winter. I didn't know what was going on. We we. I think at the time that we wrapped, we did not have a premiere date. But shortly after that, uh, a month or so into post or less, we no maybe we had a premiere. anyway. The original premiere date was July of 2013, and we were 90% creatively locked or more uh, by July of 2013. But uh, they didn't have the money to promote it at mm-hmm. that point, and they they would not have it until the calendar year turned over to 2014, and then it was just a matter of finding the perfect date in there. But in that meantime, in that nine months, there was quite a bit of post-production going on yeah. of fun. things that were not not no longer cutting and, and sculpting pieces, stories, mm-hmm. and, and jokes, but getting the technical side of it exactly right. Oh, which you know, slowed down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Would you say that there were some there was some comedy in those last nine months as well? I yeah, there. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know that I can comment on that on the on the uh, advice of my lawyer. I don't think I should say anything about that. It feels like yeah. you probably should. Um, it seems like this waiting to premiere may have wound up being a good thing because you did got you guys did get a, a good publicity uh, push. From yeah, the network. I, I think so. so. Yeah. Yeah. It seems, it seems mm-hmm. like it really worked, and, and you, know, you weren't lost in, in kind of other projects going on or fall TV or whatever. Right. Yeah. No, I don't regret Ultimately. it. I think it, I think it was good. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk for one minute about uh, your podcast? Oh, TV daily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to your projects. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the pilot the uh, what is it called? <laughs> the Andy Daily. Po- Podcast pilot project. Podcast pilot I never project. get it right. <laughs> um, it feels like to me, and and please tell me if I'm wrong, um, but this is an opportunity in the way same way that Comedy Bang Bang has been, uh, or other shows, Super Ego, for example, uh, is an opportunity for you to get to play other characters, yeah. which you do so well, and which I think some people, maybe in just in the comedy world, were surprised that you didn't wind up doing a sketch show or something like right. that. Right. But playing this one character throughout a series. Yeah, yeah. I, I've kind of felt like I have two careers, two acting careers in a way. Like, a, like a, uh, there's an Eastbound and Down acting career and a Comedy Bang Bang acting career in a way where Eastbound and Down, I'm, play, I'm playing characters who are regular people who mm-hmm. could really be in the world. And then this other stuff is, is stuff that I've been doing, you know, since... I young since I first met Andy Blitz mm-hmm. as, a, as a young man, 
but is... Dalton Wilcox was a child <laughs> when you started doing him. <laughs> Horrible. Yeah. But it's a weird, that's a weird game because in a way it's like, well, I didn't get on Saturday Night Live. I, I was on Mad TV for a season and a half. There's only so many places to do sketch. I like to do it, so I started doing it on stage individually mm-hmm. as pieces and then Comedy Bang Bang came along and asked me to do things on there and so I just sort of took those characters from stage and didn't have a plan for, hmm. for doing that stuff. But I don't. Yeah, it's 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 two different paths that are. Is it creatively fulfilling in the same way? In a different way, does it push a different button for you? Performing that way, mm-hmm. um, and the podcast specifically, which is so funny. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I know. It, you know what? Well, to tell you the truth, it came about while we were in this stop down of waiting to for the show to come out during which time there was a lot of this sort of non-creative editing decisions <laughs> being made uh, and my wife said as I'm like pouring over massive email chains about fonts and things like this <laughs> my wife said you need a you need a project like you need something mm-hmm. that's just just to run free <laughs> yeah. you know uh, she was going crazy. She was going crazy. That's about right. Yeah. Uh, and I and she said she was like, "Why not do a podcast?" I'm like, "Too much work." But they uh, then Matt Gorley came to me and said, uh, "Let's you know that he was producing podcasts for Earwolf, and he was like, i 'I'll make it as easy for you as possible.'" And I was like, "All right, good. So let's do that." And so so yes, it it was meant to be get some people in a room and improvise and goof around in kind of big characters and anything goes mm-hmm. uh, was sort of how it was meant to be. It was, it was meant to be just just crazy blowout fun plus also uh, a way of getting all those Comedy Bang Bang fans in one place to tell them about review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, the podcasts are the best promotion of all. I, apparently. <laughs> I, I yeah. totally understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the podcast is great. So thank you. We, ha- we all hope you continue. Oh, uh, what, what if Larry King heard that and then just started doing characters himself? Oh, that would be so great. Yeah, I think we would all love it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure Larry King isn't a character. <laughs> Andy Blitz, what are you up to these days? Um. Oh man, I didn't see that question. <laughs> but I've, well, I've been unfrozen recently, so I'm enjoying uh, being moving around. Um, I've written a couple of pilots. Um, I wrote uh, one with Jeff Blitz. Hello, hello, yes. everybody. That's Jeff. Over there. Name drop. Yeah. <laughs> I assume Yana will edit it. <laughs> um, and uh, I wrote another one as well with Maria Thayer, um, who is great in our show. She's yeah, episode eight, eight right. is a very, very special one. I hope people are still paying attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, Andy and that's, Maria I, think, I talked to you about that like a long time ago. Didn't I see you in like July when you and Maria were talking about that? Uh, right. Well, we didn't. We like ran into you yeah. on 23rd Street. Oh, oh, that's right. It was in October. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. In New York. <laughs> you, you don't go to 23rd Street in the, <laughs> just in the just summer. Just oh, <laughs> New York in July, I would never. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think uh, we, we were kind of uh, kicking around in the fall, and then uh, just as ideas, and then mm-hmm. wrote it uh, uh, over the, in this, I don't know, the last couple months. And... Uh, um, that's it. And then I'm doing some stand-up comedy as well. Mm-hmm. I have been on tour a little bit with oh, Andy Daly. Oh, his characters. That's you. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. 
Mm-hmm. When is this going on? Uh, I think we can put this out next week. Oh, okay. So oh. we can make sure. In which people case, people should come to San Francisco on April 5th, the That's Independent. Right. And uh, Portland and Seattle, the weekend of April 12th and 13th. I think it's in that order Portland mm-hmm. and then Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. You, got, you can find the rest. <laughs> yeah. Where would they find the rest? AndyDaily.com. What is that? On the internet? Sure. It's Mine. on the internet. Mine. Or follow you on Twitter? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, at tvsandydaily.com. <laughs> dot com. Dot com. At tvsandydaily. Um, dot blitz. Do, you know, you are a comic, an actor, a writer. Uh, do these, again, the same kind of question, like, do these push cre- different creative buttons for you, or do you kind of see it all as a whole? Um, yeah. It's all one big black hole. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, it's you all may one. be spelling hole wrong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, it's uh, it's all. Uh, I don't even know. I'll, uh, I'll look back and think about it when all I. Right. We'll draw. We'll drop the memory the to uh, re- recollect anything. Recall. People don't realize it's <laughs> 110 degrees in here. It is. Uh, yeah. Jeffrey, just bring yeah. us up to speed. Tell us what's going on. Is there anything uh, that you've been working on in this past year? Yeah, um, I have a um, I have a script that I've been working on, and I hope that Fox Searchlight will. Make this movie with me in the fall. Um, Anna Kendrick is attached to it. We have fingers crossed for that, and uh, we're trying to build out the rest of the. You'll be directing cast it right as now. Well oh yes, yeah. Uh, that's great. Well, good luck. Thank you. Uh, and we wrote the pilot. It. Tell them about. Oh yes, yeah. Don't mm-hmm. forget to mention that we wrote the. Yeah, we did. Oh yeah, sorry. And um, I uh, worked with my brother on a, the TV pilot that he already mentioned. <laughs> well, you. it might be edited out. <laughs> <laughs> you never yeah. know. Um, I would love to talk to you guys sometime about how you work together, but not right now. Oh. Uh, right now. <laughs> You've had I, enough. It's always interesting to me, mm. you know, these creative partnerships. And I obviously I work with a writing partner, but I find that everybody does it differently. We don't do it well. <laughs> <laughs> you, you and your writing partner we'll like back. these guys. Your last names rhyme. It's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I would say yours do more than rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> ours, ours are like a bad rhyme. <laughs> if you saw that in a song, you'd just be mad. Right. Yeah. Um, very quickly before we wrap up, uh, let's start with Jeff and go around. What are you watching on television? What are you getting excited about? Or in movies, for that matter. Whoa. Or books, if you read books. Um, what are you enjoying? What's getting you inspired? What are you talking about with your partners, spouses, etc.? Wow. Um... I mean, I try not to talk to people in general. I do watch a lot of television. Uh, I mean, I do. I watch a lot of TV. So, um, What have you been into lately? Uh, the Kroll Show I've been into. Uh, I think um, super funny. So great. Uh, I have been um, watching uh, a bunch of effects shows. This uh, Carrie Russell, The Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, has got has got kind of like an old school vibe to it, but I I think it's really fun. It feels like uh, it's got an old school like movie vibe. Yes, I feel like. yeah. It doesn't right. feel like eighties TV, but it feels like eighties movies in yes. a great way. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, uh, I watched. Um, I'm blanking on the name, but that British Broad Church, Broad Church, oh, yeah, yeah. Broad Church mm. um, that uh, is being remade. There's an American version uh, that's being made in Canada. What? Now. <laughs> with David Tennant again. That. Yes, which with is David really Tennant, uh, with Jackie Weaver. Yeah. Isn't it? Cool. Uh, yeah, big, big Broad Church. Really the original guys for the American version. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? Well, let's drop it on there. <laughs> Did you watch. Um, 
True Detective. I did. I did yeah. watch that show. Did I watch any of that with you? Or no? No, I haven't watched oh. it yet. Oh, if okay. you guys talk about that, then you will take my only possible answer to this question. <laughs> you are allowed to repeat. It's not. <laughs> there are no weird rules. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh wait, yes. wait, hang on a second. Speaking of that, uh, I've been watching um, the HBO shows. I've been watching Girls. Oh, I've been yeah. watching the uh, Jonathan Groff star. Looking. Looking. San Francisco. Oh, I haven't seen that. Is yeah. that good? Yeah, it's wonderful. I hear good things. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. All right. We'll check them out. Andy Blitz, what are you watching? Oh, <laughs> I see what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real you're gotcha question. Again. <laughs> yeah. I really didn't uh, see this coming. Uh, um, well... <laughs> I have been watching, uh, I watched some um, Nathan for You, um, which is made by friends of mine, um, and airs on Comedy Central, which is uh, a network of mine. I I can't remember if I own Comedy Central. (laughs) Um, So I I really like that. I I wrote... um, for a show called Eagle Heart on Adult Swim. Mm. And uh, I did not uh, write on the last season, but I watched it and really <laughs> found it hilarious. Yeah. So funny. Uh, and I loved a show, uh, the show Enlightened on HBO. Mm. Um, I thought that was a really, really excellent television show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was good entertainment. <laughs> And I got more. Now I'm on a roll. Yeah. <laughs> Mad Men, I think, is an excellent television show. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I loved, it's not on television, but it was a, a one of those failed pilots or movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. um, uh, Inside Lewin Davis, I just thought it was so... You're into that one. I loved it. What mm. d- what about it spoke to you? Because you hated it. I can tell. You I did not hate it. it. You I hated actually it. liked it, well, but lying. I did not go crazy for it right. I, in a way I wanted to. Mm. Um, there's... Oh, man. I don't know. I do, I do love uh, folk music, and I love New York City and all that. And, and I think that every kind of artist who gets frustrated and struggles with stuff relates to it. And I think actually one of the, um, this is a confession I'm sort of embarrassed about, is that um, they, uh, I saw it and I thought it was great. And I was just like, I'm going to vote for that movie for a Writers Guild Award for um, the best screenplay. I, I thought that they did a great job on it. And then at some point I saw online the announcements for the best screenplay nominations for the Writers Guild and I had forgotten to vote (laughs) and that movie was not nominated and I felt really terrible and I thought like one of the things about that movie is because it's about this artist who's like a fuck up is that it relates to it, it. People who relate to it are the kind of people who have no idea what the deadline is to vote on those awards. And like, oh god, it's the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. At some point, I'm going to figure out how to try to give it some recognition or whatever. I don't know. That is so yeah. movies about go getters are more successful in awards. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure, right. Your gravities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerry Maguire's. <laughs> right. Got to reach back a little ways, but point stands. 
Uh, Andy Daly, what are you watching? Are you watching True Detective? Have you seen it? Yeah. That I watched. (laughs) (laughs) I loved that. Man, I loved that. It it couldn't end. uh, It couldn't end well, right? There's no way. But it it ended fine. It would never live up to what we wanted. Right, right, right. But I loved it. Don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. No, 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 no. It It ended fine. fine. It's fine. Um, It was satisfying. Yeah. I also love the... uh, <laughs> I love. I also love the Curl Show so much. That's something that's on right now that I'm watching. Always happy to find a, an episode of Louie to revisit on my sure. TiVo, and looking forward to uh, new ones of those. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Looking forward to Game of Thorns. Oh yeah, <laughs> nice. I'm so excited. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I like Boardwalk Empire. Uh, you can have it. I know. Fine. I know. I can have it. <laughs> What else? That's uh, I can't That's think a of other things that I'm Those watching. are all correct answers. Those are fine, perfectly fine. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, there are, as when this comes out, five more episodes. What is it coming review? out? I thought you were going to say there are snacks. I was there so are excited. snacks downstairs. I was happy too. Please yeah. take a water. Yeah. Episode <laughs> three airs March twentieth. Yeah. Episode four airs. When is this coming? Out? So so five more episodes. Okay, It'll come out next week. No. So there'll be six more. Nine. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Total of nine. Oh right, right. We're only three. Oh, and then math skills. <laughs> and I think the show really like it turns uh, after during and after the third episode yeah. and becomes kind of something else. Yeah, yes. you you were saying Jeff before these guys got here that the, this one coming up, which will have just aired when this comes right. out, mm-hmm. episode um, three is your favorite episode. I think or so. One of your mm-hmm. favorites. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I. I yeah, I was I, trying to figure out I what my favorites are. I think it's like a five-way tie for me, actually. Really? But episode three is <laughs> is hugely important. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And there's something about the narrative structure of episode three that's very, that's that for me is very well rendered. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, it makes that you can stand at the end of it and look back, and the way it was built makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Oh, interesting. You know? That sounds very satisfying. Mm-hmm. I hope so. It's not very it, funny. It is to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's oh, not it's funny bad. at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible uh, drag. It's, <laughs> it's, it's probably more somber than anything that's been on Comedy Central ever. I don't yeah, know. that's I fantastic. That's true. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Oh, I, I mean, cannot wait. Other than the Charlie Sheen roast. <laughs> oh, come on. You can't do it that. Was just lying there. We'll, can't we'll do cut that, that out. <laughs> and put it at the beginning. <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for being here. Thank, thank you, you, you. What fun. Now leaving nerdist.com.